Good morning. Um, you might have a Bible with you. Um, if not, you might have a, a Bible app um, on your phone. Um, we're going to be in Luke chapter 6, and uh, I'm going to read from verse 1. It says this. One Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields, and his disciples began to pick some heads of grain, rub them in their hands, and eat the kernels. Some of the Pharisees asked, Why are you doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? Jesus answered them, Have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He entered the house of God, and taking the consecrated bread, he ate what is lawful only for priests to eat. And he also gave some to his companions. Then Jesus said to them, The Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. On another Sabbath, he went into the synagogue and was teaching. And a man was there whose right hand was shriveled. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus. So they watched him closely to see if he would heal on the Sabbath. But Jesus knew what they were thinking and said to the man with the shriveled hand, Get up and stand in front of everyone. So he got up and stood there. Then Jesus said to them, I ask you, which is lawful on the Sabbath, to do good or to do evil, to save life or to destroy it? He looked around at them all and then said to the man, stretch out your hand. He did so, and his hand was completely restored. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law were furious and began to discuss with one another what they might do to Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it is truth. Father, I pray that as we look at the scriptures now, that you would lead us into all truth, that we would find out a little bit more about who you are so that our lives would be changed, never to be the same again. In Jesus' name, amen. It's a real privilege to uh, be invited to come and speak to you this morning and uh, as we look at this passage and you guys are going through a series looking at the Gospel of Luke and it's, it's really nice that I can come and share with you but I'm, I'm always a little nervous, okay? I'm nervous when it comes to a visiting preacher coming into a church in the middle of a series, because a number of years ago, I was a kind of wet-behind-the-ears theological student at Spurgeon's. I was doing my master's, and I attended a local Baptist church. And we were doing a series going through the book of Philippians. And the senior minister preached the first week, and I was down to preach the second week. So far, so good. I get up to preach, and I made a mistake because I asked a question. And that question was, can anyone remember what the minister preached last week? <laughs> there was silence. 
the ministers on the front row, I could see steam coming out of his ears. So I'm not going to ask you, can any of you remember what Jonathan preached last week? (laughs) Jonathan can't even remember what it was. But I'll remind you. So you're in this series, and Jonathan was looking at a passage from Luke chapter 5, and he was talking about a man called... See, someone was listening. That's wonderful. A man called Levi. Okay, and Jesus called him to follow him. And you remember that there was an accusation made against Jesus. The accusation was, why are you eating with these sinners and tax collectors? Do some of you remember that from last week? There was a charge brought against Jesus. And then there was another one a bit later on. Why are your disciples not fasting? And when we come to our story today, there are actually two stories. And there is another accusation being made against Jesus. So we had a story about Jesus with his disciples walking along through a field and they picked these heads of grain and then they rubbed them, husking it's called, take off the outer casing and they're eating the seeds. And the charge is, why are you doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? And then the second story with this man with a withered hand And Jesus heals him, and they're like, oh, why are you doing what you're not allowed to do? And so we're going to explore this, um, and I want to ask you two questions to think about. The first question is, what is going on in this passage? And the second question is, so what? Okay? Very simple. What's going on? And so what? What is happening in this text? And we're going to do a little bit of kind of investigating into the text. And then we're going to ask the question, but what does it mean for us 2,000 years later sat here in Lynn Baptist Church? Okay? So first question, what is going on? I mean, many of us will have read this passage before, right? And maybe we've got some inkling and some idea About the time when I asked this silly question in the church, you know, what did the minister preach on? About that time, as I was studying for my master's in biblical studies, I was doing a lot of studying, I began a journey of discovery into something. Everything changed for me around this period. I'd been brought up in a Baptist church, going to church twice on a Sunday. Anyone remember that? Remember the twices, morning and evening? Yeah, now it's struggled to get people to go twice a month now. But, we, you know, every single Sunday for like the first 16 years of my life, we'd even go to church if we were on holiday. Okay, we'd always find a church. And, and I was brought up with a very, what I would call a conservative, evangelical understanding of the Bible. I then went to do a degree in theology, my master's, and I just was like going to go into becoming a minister. And at this point in my life, something changed. And what changed was I began to be on a journey of discovery 
into reading the Bible in a different way to the one that I'd been brought up to read. How I describe it is the lens that I read the Bible changed. You know when you go to the optician, any opticians in this morning? When you go to the opticians, you have an eye test. You know, they're like lens one, lens two. Do you remember that? I get really confused. I don't know about you. I can't remember which one. I go, could you do that again? But the lens with which we read the Bible can have an impact on how we understand the text. And I began a journey over the last 15 years of exploring the Bible from its Jewish context. Understanding the Jewishness of Jesus. And I think it helps us when we come to this particular text. It says one Sabbath. Okay, well straight away I've got to in my head go, that's the seventh day. Which is our Saturday. Because Jesus is Jewish. He's in a Jewish culture. The book is a Jewish book written by Jews for Jews in a Hebraic context. I have to understand that. I have to switch the lens. So it's a Sabbath day, a Saturday. And Jesus is walking with his disciples and they do something that they're not allowed to do. Okay, they pick these heads of grain. According to the book of Exodus, you're not allowed to harvest the field. They're breaking the Sabbath, apparently. So what we've got to do is understand what's going on. Some of you may be familiar with this, but God gave a commandment in the Old Testament and said, on the seventh day you are to rest and not do any work. You familiar with that? But then the rabbis came along and went, well, what does work mean? What what does that constitute? And they came up with 39 separate situations where you couldn't do any work. And they decided what that looked like. I I remember speaking to a a leader of a synagogue, um, and I was having a conversation with him. And he said that his son was really orthodox in Judaism, to the point that he would not open the fridge, because that constituted turning on a light. Okay, so within Judaism, there are different perspectives, but this idea to stop you from doing work on the seventh day. So these discussions were going on in Jesus's day. And so here are the disciples walking along, and apparently they are doing something they shouldn't do. And the accusation comes to Jesus, why are you allowing this? And I'm fascinated by Jesus's response. Maybe for some of us, like me growing up, I I heard that, oh, well, Jesus just kind of did away with all that stuff. And you can do what you like on the Sabbath. Actually, as I explored it, I realized that if I read this text, that's not what Jesus said. He didn't say that at all. He, He then quotes about David. Do you remember David? And he said, it's First Samuel 21, I think, off the top of my head. David goes and he's hungry and he goes into the temple and he eats the bread he's not allowed to eat. Jesus is drawing a parallel between David and the disciples. And what he is doing is Jesus is making an argument. And he is saying, in short, because I won't go too deep with you, alleviating a human need is more important than following a commandment to not do something. 
Does that make sense? So he's not getting rid of it. What he's doing is he's saying there are priorities and there are things that are lesser and greater in the kingdom. Have you heard that before? Do you remember when he's asked, which is the greatest commandment? That means there are some that are lesser and greater. You know, these rules were quite interesting. There's a passage in Matthew 23. Do you remember the the chapter where Jesus says, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees? Anyone know that passage? Do you remember your, your like whitewashed tombs full of dead men's bones? Do you remember that? And he says to them, you tithe your mint, dill and cumin. Any of you got a spice rack at home? I've got one of those that spins around. Yeah? And what they were doing was they were going and they were taking their little jars of mixed herbs and rosemary and garlic powder and they were measuring out a tenth of it to give to God. And they were meticulous in this. And Jesus says, you do this. And actually, really interestingly, he says, you're right to do that. But he says, you have forgotten the weightier matters of the law, mercy and justice and compassion. Jesus is suggesting that there are some things that take precedence. Does that make sense? That a positive to help somebody in need is more important than the commandment to not work. Does that make sense? He's not saying get rid of all those rules. He's saying there is an order of importance. It's really fascinating when we begin to to kind of look into this. Jesus would always get in trouble. He was always in trouble, particularly on the Sabbath. A little later in your series, you'll come to Luke 13, and there's a woman who has a back problem. Anyone got a back problem? He's suffering with a bit of a back problem. This woman is bent over and Jesus straightens her on the Sabbath. Or how about a man who was uh, paralyzed and Jesus heals him and says, carry your mat home. Well, you weren't allowed to carry anything. Or what about the man who was born blind in John chapter 9? This is one of my favorite stories. In John chapter 9, there is this man who, for most of his life, has not been able to see. Right? So, so like 40 years of his life, he's not been able to see. <clears throat> Jesus comes along, and he's talking. And he's talking about being the light of the world. I sometimes try and imagine what it would be like to be the blind man. I want you to imagine <clears throat> that you're the blind man. All you can see is darkness and some guy is talking about being the light of the world. That's helpful. And the next thing that he hears is, you're blind. You're like, what is going on? Why is he just spat on the floor? And what did Jesus do? He took the spittle and he mixed it with mud and he put it on the guy's eyes. And then he said, go and wash. And I can just imagine this guy going, Are you kidding? Of course I'm going to go and wash. You just spat at me. We know the story, right? And what happened? Suddenly the man is healed. The religious leaders who were there watching were very, very unhappy 
Why? Because Jesus broke three laws, supposedly. You're not allowed to create anything. When Jesus spat on the ground and mixed the spittle and the mud, he was creating an ointment. You're not actually, well, this is a debate. Interestingly, in, in Orthodox Judaism today, they still debate whether or not you're allowed to put ointment on your eyes on the Sabbath. Did you know that? Even today, Jesus was kind of dealing with some of this stuff. He was, he was engaging in a theological debate. Can you put ointment on your eyes in the Sabbath? And he did it. You're not allowed to do that. And then he told the man to go and wash, and immersions were not allowed on the Sabbath. So three laws Jesus broke. But is the alleviating of human suffering more important to God? Do you see how that comes into play? The positive command outweighs the negative. So in this situation, the disciples are hungry and they pick these seeds and Jesus is going, it's okay because the human need outweighs and God's command is for us to be loving and kind. That's why Jesus in, in Matthew's gospel, both stories from Luke 5 that Jonathan was talking about last week and Luke 6, both stories in Matthew's gospel records that Jesus quotes from the Old Testament. A passage from the book of Hosea, chapter 6, verse 6, which says, this is God speaking, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. The knowledge of God more than burnt offerings. Question. Was God saying he didn't want sacrifices? This is 700 years before Jesus. Was he saying I don't want sacrifices or burnt offering? No, he wasn't. But he was saying mercy is more important. You see, the weightier matters Do you see how this works? So when Jesus healed the man with the withered hand, he says to them, which is better, to do good or to do evil, to save a life or to destroy? He's trying to communicate that God's heart is for mercy and justice and love and compassion, even if it contradicts a negative command that says, thou shalt not work on the Sabbath. Did you follow? There's a debate that was going on and Jesus is giving his opinion. So, here's the question. So what? What does that mean for you and me? Well, I don't know about you, but there are times where in my Christian experience, I've come across folk who, um, in church, who have this real legalistic approach to stuff. I'm sure there's no one like that here. Um, you know, even, even to the fact that there are sort of rules that you have to follow. And you must follow them. I mean, I, let, let me give you an example. I'm, I Growing up, I was about nine years old. And uh, I remember having a big argument with my mom and dad. Um, I'd been picked to play for the, uh, the best football team around. This was the start of my England career, okay? And, but they played on a Sunday... So what was my mum's response? We don't play football on Sunday. Big argument. Or how about one, about the similar age, I went, we were, we'd go around to people's houses after church. Do you remember, anyone remember doing that? We've seen it, lost the art of that, haven't we? 
every Sunday, we would either have people in our house after church or we would be at someone's house. And we went round to a couple's house. And so there's me and my sister, both kind of 9, 10, 11 years old. And my mum was really kind of organised. So if we had people round, she'd have started the dinner before we went to church. We get to this house and it's apparent that the lady hasn't even started cooking the roast. So you imagine you've got two smaller children and you're not going to be eating lunch till about four o'clock. There's a bit of a problem, isn't there? Because we've got to stop these kids from chewing each other's arms off. So I've, I've, got, to, I've got to do something, okay? And I'm, at the time, um, I, I love snooker and I, I wanted to watch the snooker. Steve Davis was playing. It was like, yes, come on. I was really into it. So I went to this lady in the house. I said, is it okay if I watch? It's the world championship final. Can I watch it? I wonder if any of you can guess what her response was. (laughs) We don't watch television on a Sunday. Now, obviously, if that was now, I would have gladly engaged her in a debate. Really? Chapter and verse, please. Where is that? Is that Leviticus? Interesting. Um, but, then, but then a bit later, she did um, actually come and say, look, uh, sorry, you can't watch the television in the living room. But you can watch, there's a TV in the bedroom. <laughs> oh, really? Oh, okay. I don't know where these rules are going. Oh. But it, but it turned out that it was a black and white television. Now, I know some of you, right, right, some of you are of an older vintage, okay, and you remember black and white television. But for me, I'm like, I have not got a clue whether that's the red, the black, the green, the brown. I'm like, we can all have these rules, can't we? We can't do that, can't do this, can't do the other. Some of you know what I'm talking about. And churches, in my kind of experience, can be quite legalistic in stuff. I mean, from, you know, Jonathan and I, we, you know, it's not we've been there and got the t-shirt. We've probably got a whole wardrobe full, haven't we? You know, at one time when I moved the communion table, you'd have think that I'd said we're all going to become Jehovah's Witnesses or something. Uh, People screaming and shouting, what do you think you're doing? I only moved it three feet. I heard of one church, you'll like this one. I heard of one church. They'd had this new kitchen, okay? And they were trying to decide whether or not they were going to have cups or mugs to serve the tea and coffee. Okay, it led to an argument, and in the church meeting, it almost came to like a punch-up. I mean, literally, there were people shouting at each other, almost fighting with each other. And one person actually stood up and tried to resolve the debate and said, well, you know, at the Last Supper, it says Jesus took the cup. There you go. (laughs) They actually had a church split on the issue of whether they have a cup or a mug to serve tea and coffee afterwards. Now, now we, we laugh at that stuff, but the reality is, is that the heart within is the most important. And I think that's what Jesus is trying to get at. He's trying to go, listen, you're supposed to be following God's ways. 
But what is the heart condition with which you are following God's ways? So when we think about maybe Lynn Baptist Church, we're called to follow God's ways. And I'm sure you guys don't have any kind of disagreements at all. I'm sure that doesn't happen here. But what is the heart with which we approach some of these issues? Do we focus on the weightier matters of God's ways? Mercy and justice and love and compassion or are we quite legalistic in our approach you see legalism is not what you do it's the heart behind what you do to think that maybe you're better than somebody else I actually had this discussion with some people in my church in a bible study just to give you an example we were talking about the sabbath and someone said and they won't mind me saying In quite a prideful way, they sat there and went, well, we don't go out to eat on a Sunday because that means then we don't have to make the people work. The waiter and the waitress don't have to work. Some of you may have heard that before. Some of you may even think that. And as I sat there and I thought, I wonder how Jesus would respond. I wonder if Jesus might sit there and go, but maybe the waiter and waitress need the tip because they're struggling financially. Or maybe the owner of the restaurant is struggling post-COVID and could really do with your business. Do you see the difference between, well, I'm not going to do this, but actually part of God's law, part of his Torah, that's the Hebrew word, his ways, his highway code for life, I call it. Part of being a follower of God is to show mercy and compassion, even if it means that you might violate a negative command does that make sense and i think that's what's happening here with our story jesus is wanting to challenge some of the religious leaders and say what is the condition of your heart you're following me are you doing it with a black heart and a hard heart and as i finish There's a beautiful passage in Ezekiel. Ezekiel chapter 36. Some words that some of you will know well. And God says, I want to give you a new heart. I want to take away your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. He wants us to have a receptive heart. But then it says, and I will put my spirit in you. You see, part of the new covenant, if we read that passage and we read Jeremiah, in Jeremiah, it, God says, I will put my law on their hearts. I will put my ways on your heart. If you are a Christian today under the new covenant, under the shed blood of Jesus, then God's ways are written on your heart, according to Jeremiah. We need a heart that is receptive to God's ways. It will then be infused by the power of the Holy Spirit and according to Ezekiel, will cause you to walk out his ways. My challenge, I guess, for me and you is what is the condition of our hearts? Do we have a heart that is soft? Do we have his ways written on our hearts?
And do we have the power of the Holy Spirit to walk it out in a spirit of mercy, compassion, love? I wonder. That's the challenge. And I think that's what Jesus is saying as he went around, causing absolute uproar. But there was a challenge associated with it. What is it to love God with everything you have? For me, it's about living out his ways in that spirit of love, compassion, and mercy. We're going to sing, I think, in a moment. I'm going to invite the the musicians to come up. And maybe just for a moment, we want to take just a, a moment of reflection and to just think about the condition of our own hearts. Maybe we do approach things from a little bit of a legalistic approach. Maybe we do, you know, got to do this or that. But do we approach it from a heart that loves God and that we look to him and we look to his Holy Spirit in our lives to enable us to focus on the weightier matters of his ways? And I wonder if we might just take a moment and I'm just going to pray and then we're going to sing together. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would forgive me and my brothers and sisters here this morning for those times when maybe we have operated in a way that has been less honoring to you. Father, I pray that you would help each one of us to come to you and know you in a deeper way so that our hearts and our lives would reflect your priorities. Father, we thank you for Jesus and the example that he sets for us. Father, I pray that the words that have been spoken this morning They would not just be words, but we would take them to heart. We would apply them to our lives and we would come once again and say, Lord, I want to serve you with my whole heart. Lord, I want to be more like you in every aspect. And in the midst of Sunday worship or church meetings or house group or chatting in a coffee morning, Father, I pray that those words that are spoken there will not be words of accusation, but we would come with a heart of love and mercy and compassion. And we would look upon fellow believers with that heart. And we would look upon those outside the walls of this church in a spirit of compassion and love. Father, we look to you, for you are the source of life. We thank you for your word, for the truth that you call us to live by. Father, we offer you this time. We pray it in the mighty name of our Lord and Messiah, Jesus Christ.